So following that intuition, whatever that is that feels good or that that you just really want to know more about, go into that. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways, the podcast all about the unexpected paths to a creative career. I'm your host, Rob Goodman, and on today's show, we are spotlighting an artist who went through the program at Root Division. And Root Division is celebrating their 15-year anniversary, and we're going to be talking to a few artists who have gone through their program as a special spotlight and celebration on this amazing visual arts nonprofit here in San Francisco who's really focused on creativity and community and giving back not only to artists but also to patrons of the arts with amazing exhibits and performances. So on today's show, I'm talking to Rochelle Reichert, and Rochelle is an amazing fine artist. She's also a teacher, an instructor, she's a researcher, and her work these days focuses on graphite and salt. And you're going to have to check out her work in person and online. It's really beautiful. And we talk all about Rochelle's path to becoming a fine artist, what it's like to work with such materials like salt, what that means to her, what she's trying to convey to her audience. And I think you guys are really going to love the conversation. So I'm so excited to get started. Let's begin and jump into my conversation with Rochelle Reichert. Rochelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about your latest show. I know you you showed in Oakland recently. So tell me about some of the work that was on display there. Sure. Um, I had, actually, I had two shows at the same time. Oh, wow. So, and the galleries were really awesome in which they were like, well, let's partner and let's do a two-part show. So I had a recent show in Oakland at Black Crown Gallery, and then I had a show at a space called State that's in the Mission. And I focused on material-based Well, my work basically is I take a earthbound material. Like charcoal or salt? Yeah, like graphite. Uh, Graphite I use, and the two materials I used for the show was both uh, graphite and salt. And what I'm thinking about a lot is how how we are impacted by these really kind of basic materials, something as simple as salt, something you is very familiar, you ingest every day, or graphite, you know, you, we all are very familiar with it. We were, have written with pencils since we were kids. Yeah. Um, and what other uses um, and influences those materials have on us um, as a culture, on our economy, um, even socially. So... I, my show at State was all my salt works, and then my show at Black Crown was my graphite works. Oh, wow. And so what I was looking for was the extractive methods of it, and I, at State, I was looking into the extractive methods here in the Bay of salt, um, with the salt evaporation ponds and making works around that, and a lot of those works were, um, I seek to accentuate the capacities of the material, so I, I wanted to accentuate the corrosive capacity of salt. So I did pieces where I put a huge piece of steel into a salt bath and let it rust for a month in the space and then displayed it in a certain way. And then I did a piece where I had salt crystals bound by a ring of steel that was starting to corrode and create a circle of 
uh, rust kind of seeping into the salt. And uh, so this corrosion is happening as the work is on display mm -hmm. and it and it degrades over over the course of the showing of the of the show. Exactly. Yeah. So they're technically um, they're timepieces and that's supposed to. So when you visit the show again, then the work will be different. And these are subtle differences. Sometimes they're not so dramatic, but I'm asking the viewer to kind of pay attention in a different way than they maybe normally would. And also just recognize that things are constantly changing. Yeah. You know? There must be a certain amount of letting go for you as an artist to the work you create in that it's never really done. The point is to show the the process and the interaction of the chemicals on display. Do you do you try to capture different moments in time of the work, either through video or photography? Is that important as well, is it, or is it more the experience? I do capture the work in photography and sometimes video, but I rarely show it. Um, I think forward-facing, it's more about the experience, and then... Um, I document it for that pure reason of documentation. I am still sorting out kind of how I would work with the photographs. And I think for works that are more accessible, that I that are kind of local, I can, I can just show the material itself. But if I want to travel to another place and work right. with, let's say, a salt flat in a different country or in a different state, um, I would work more with video or photography. Yeah, and I'm fascinated by the process by which you sculpt salt. And I've heard you talk about using water to kind of melt it in places, but having to understand kind of the chemistry of when the water stops melting and, and you know, mm -hmm. affecting the salt. Can you talk me through kind of the process of how you, how you approach a salt block and start kind of creating something from it? Uh, sure. So my most recent pieces I've tried to do it with I wore I do it with rainwater. So I'll wait until it gets rainy. <laughs> wow. We just um, had a drought not too long ago. Did that <laughs> That was is actually what inspired it. I had I had these two salt blocks, these twenty five pound each salt bricks in my studio, which were a delight to carry around. <laughs> um, it was January of twenty sixteen and we had our first like drenching rain and just like it was like impulsive. I just, it, as soon as it started raining, I just wanted to, I wanted to collect the rain. Yeah. Or like make, have some kind of remembrance of it. Cause it was so rare. Yeah. We and hadn't it, seen rain in so long. And it was like your first breath after holding your, being underwater for minutes, you know, or something it, like that's the feeling I had. Yeah. This kind of like relief and like nourishment at the yeah, same time. Yeah. And you know, the summer before I was living up in Napa and it was, I was teaching there and there were fires that were right north of us at the time. And, you know, being around the vineyards, it was, I really um, felt it a lot more than I felt it in the city. Yeah. So I was super excited and just got these big plastic bins and then placed the salt in them and would, I, my hand was involved in, in the sense where I would rotate it or move it in certain ways to um, kind of place the lines, the markers. Um, and then the good thing about rainwater is that it constantly refreshes, you know. So when you when I work with just water from the tap, I constantly have to keep 
rotating the water because when the salt dissolves to a certain point, it kind of stabilizes and doesn't really dissolve much more. So there's an equilibrium. So nothing happens. Yeah. Um, so I'll have to exchange it for fresh water. And are you, how are you collecting this rainwater? Are you just, it's just in like big bin, like Tupperware bin. So you just, do you just stand out there and with the bins? I just put it in the, the parking lot of my studio. And then, and, you, then, and then you drag it in? Yeah. <laughs> so let's rewind a bit. I know you got your MFA at Oakland in Oakland at Mills College, and mm-hmm. then you got your BFA at Boston University. Was being an artist something that was always kind of at the forefront for you growing up? Did you always have a sense that this was the track I was going to pursue? And did the challenges of having a career in art and everything that we hear about that as young people ever, you know, dissuade you? So I knew that I wanted to be an artist, like, since I was five. (laughs) I remember the first time I painted them, I was like, oh, this is, this is what I'm going to (laughs) do. But I had no idea what that meant. And neither did my family. Um, I come from, uh, my family is um, in finance or in engineering. So it's, they had just no clue. Yeah, they're um, like, our daughter speaks this different language and we don't know <laughs> where yeah. to put it. Yeah, so my dad was like, well, advertising is really creative. <laughs> you should go into that. Right. And so out of respect for him, I was like, well, I'll try it because being an, I'm told that being an artist is hard and doesn't make any sense. So uh, I'll, try, I'll try doing that. So in high school, I got really involved in something called DECA, which is like a, a program in which you can compete, like develop ad campaigns and different, like, I think that it's more entrepreneurial now, so you can like build companies and things like that. And yeah. Were you, were you them. a really good uh, student in high school? I mean, were you pretty proactive about, yeah, I'm going to go explore these different things, join different programs and a mix? <laughs> I was a mix. I was a little angsty and then also... Um, proactive I always worked too so okay um, and you grew up in Upper Saddle River we were talking about mm-hmm. before in New Jersey in Bergen County right mm-hmm. so you explored this group in advertising in high school and and what did you find um like it was okay <laughs> you know but then by the time I was I'd done that for a couple of years I realized that all I was doing was trying to sell people things that they don't really need so I decided that that wasn't for me. <laughs> um, but I still, you know, I worked at a bank. I worked at a PR firm. You know, like I, I tried. I, I decided that I would try to be something else. And you did that all in high school or also in high college? High school and through college. Okay. Um, so you, you tried on different outfits and different yeah. hats just to see what felt right or... Yeah, and I figured just out of, you know out of respect for my parents' wishes that I would try, you know, what's the harm in that? Yeah. You know, um, so I did and <laughs> I s- didn't like it. Okay. And so in college, my second year of college at BU, I transferred into the art school. Okay. And then went through that program. And yeah, at that point you knew that that was going to be the track you were, you were going to pursue. And we're talking about college, but you've since gone on not only to be a fine artist, but to be an instructor. And you've gone back to Mills College where you got your MFA. MFA. 
and you've taught there and you teach drawing and, and painting. You even taught a class at, uh, at Facebook, which I thought was, was pretty cool. Tell me a little bit about when you started to get into teaching and how that fits into your kind of career now. Yeah, I mean, that started in college. So um, my junior year of college, Bush had just passed the No Child Left Behind Act, and they um, all, all many of the public schools in Boston cut their art program. So I started volunteering and teaching in after-school programs, and then eventually I managed a program that was that had 60 volunteers, they're mostly students. Wow. And we went to a couple of different schools throughout Boston, um, all lower income, and taught taught uh, classes every week. I'm trying to remember how many classes. This is in college. This you're, is in college. You're managing 60 other uh, mm-hmm. teachers. Yeah. Wow. How did you How did you manage all that in college, having to, to complete all your art assignments and basically running a... I'm not even sure if that's a small organization anymore. It's like yeah, it more was, medium sized. It was through, um, well, I, I, I had a lot of support from BU. So I worked with the community service center there. Um, but it was, a, I actually ended up going part time my second semester of senior year to work to manage the program. So you went part time at school. At school to, to, to manage, manage the wow. program. Which was looking back is pretty insane because uh, Boston University has a four-year fine arts program, and I transferred in, um, so I was doing a four-year program in three years. Wow! <laughs> and, yeah, so I did it. Um, I just was really inspired and motivated to do that. It was, I got to work consistently with the same kids for two years and saw a lot of different, a huge difference actually in their, just the way they interacted with their peers and in their, their confidence that it felt really important to me. Yeah, you could see the impact you were making on kids right yeah. away through the process. Yeah, and art was something that really got me through school, I think. Um, I was a pretty shy kid, so, uh, and I didn't have people at home who really knew how to foster that, so it was nice to offer that space for other kids. Like when you grew up, there were art teachers or art classes that you were in that you think back on now and feel like that was your your place where you were understood and you had kind of the freedom just to be yourself and kind of be nurtured in that creative way? Yeah, it was a really, it was kind of a, like a safe space. It was a space that I really understood, whereas, you know, other classes were a little more difficult. Yeah, you felt a little bit more like an outsider maybe. Yeah. And so then to go back and facilitate that for kids, yeah, was was pretty amazing. Hey everyone, I wanna tell you about a special celebration for Root Division's 15 year anniversary. It's happening on January 13th, and if you go to rootdivision.org, you can check it out. You can also donate there. If you don't live in the Bay Area or in San Francisco, and I highly encourage you guys to check out what they're doing and see if you can support either in person or online their efforts to bring together the creative community in San Francisco, help artists thrive and create amazing work, and also bring the community in and showcase the work of artists and performers from across the Bay Area. Okay, let's get back to the show. And so after Boston University, you moved to New York, which 
us kids who grew up outside New York City, that's often like the default to to move there. I did after Syracuse as well. Mm-hmm. And you worked in some museum roles. And so there were a few years before you went back and got your your MFA. So tell me about those roles. Uh, I know you worked at the Met and a few other places. Tell me about the positions you had there and what that was like. Were you thinking that maybe you would work in museums and work your way up kind of within that that structure? I thought museums were a great place just because it was more focused on education um, rather than, let's say, sales at a gallery. And so... And always made me feel happy to be in a museum. I really like being in museum spaces. Um, and especially growing up, I love the Met. Um, I told myself when I was like 12, I remember being at the Met and being like, oh, I'm going to work here when I'm, when I'm older. <laughs> so I love I, these moments of your youth where yeah. you were just like very definitive about, I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to work here. It's awesome. Yeah. And that's what I did. So I, I um, got a job and I managed... Um, the groups that came in okay, and it was a really intense job. Um, and I did a lot of school groups and college groups and tour groups and had to work with all these different departments in the museum. And I learned a lot, but it was really, it was difficult to also make work and Mm -hmm. live in New York and work in a nonprofit. I had to work another job too. So it wasn't, I was juggling a lot all at once. Yeah. Um, so, but I really, I have always enjoyed that, the space of a museum. And I especially like, like rotating exhibitions and kind of the life that it can bring, uh, especially the Met because it's donation based. So, you know, anyone can come from any strata of life and right. pe- they do, they come and it's, so every day I would interact with people from all over the world, um, from every economic bracket, and it, that was it was nice. Yeah, it, it was it was nice to be in that mix. So, and I think I, I learned a lot because of that. And what at what point did you decide to go back and get a graduate degree? Um, so, I after the Met, uh, I decided I'd move to San Francisco. Okay. And then I lived here for... Was that also something like at 16, you were like, and I'm going to live in San Francisco? Or I no? always wanted to live in California. Um, and I had two, I had a lot of close friends here. My best friends were here. So I was really getting sick of New York and kind of the, the grind there. And so I decided to try it and moved out here. And then thinking that I would go back. I thought that I would just, you know, <laughs> spend winter here. Right. And kept extending my stay and kept extending my stay. And then I got involved with Root Division qu- pretty quickly after I started here. Yeah, and let's, let's talk about that. So Root Division is a visual arts nonprofit here in San Francisco. They're focused on creativity and community, and that's how we connected. Mm-hmm. So tell me about, yeah, tell me about the work that you you did there and how you synced up with them. And I'm just curious how they maybe even help facilitate you feeling more connected here to the arts community? Oh, they completely facilitated that. Um, they're one of the reasons why I didn't move back. <laughs> wow. Um, Sorry, New York. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so I moved out here, and about six months later, I had I got a studio at Root Division, 
And they offered a studio, but they also were kind of in line with my values in terms of community engagement. They had education programs, and they also allowed for an entry point into the art scene here. So, and just having a space to work at. When when I left New York, I was making work in my bedroom. So Mm -hmm. it was just, and I was oil painting at the time. So just, you know, being able to have a space that I could afford that was pretty nice from my New York standards um, was great. You know, it was like an entry point into a community. So um, I quickly got in with them and started teaching and learning about different things. You know, they, they're really great because they also have, you can be involved in exhibitions um, in terms of installing and just even that is like a whole skill that (laughs) I learned while I was out here. And then like how to set up shows and install works, lighting and, you know, walls and (laughs) there's so many like little things that you don't really think of when you're like, Oh, I'm going to be a painter. Right. Right. And then like, installing the work is a whole nother thing yeah um and then just like being involved with openings or community events and teaching at uh i taught in a school here in the mission and then i i ended up teaching at adult programs and it was the first time that i had taught adults at root division so that was really great because that helped a lot and then i really liked i really fell in love with teaching adults because it was an opportunity to kind of um, open minds in a different way, minds that seem a little more closed. <laughs> yeah, a little more formed. Yeah. Yeah. So I taught drawing, and I still teach drawing. And now I do that. It's funny because now I do that. That's one of the things I do is I teach drawing now at Facebook. So they've been really great with that. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Now that you've been doing this for a little while, being an artist, being a creative person, being a teacher, getting all these different roles, what advice would you have for people who are interested in pursuing a career and a life as a fine artist or maybe are thinking about making a switch in the middle of their career because maybe they stuck with that that thing, maybe they stuck mm-hmm. with advertising, maybe when it, it still didn't feel well and they want to kind of go all in on something they're passionate about. It sounds like you've, you know, you've approached things from a really creative standpoint and just embraced going after the stuff that's piques your curiosity and, you know, drives you to create. But what would you, what would you tell someone in terms of advice? You have to be really sincere with yourself and that's exactly, just follow your curiosity and give yourself a lot of time to develop your voice. Cause I think a lot of us want, when we want something, we want it right away. And we forget about the process of finding out what that is. So slow down and take time to figure out what's really authentic and important to you. And then also, like, so much of making is this knowledge that we can't verbalize. So following that intuition, whatever that is that feels good or that that you just really want to know more about, go into that. And there are plenty of artists who, you know, work in advertising full time and are still really good artists or, you know, we have, or our lawyers or there, there are plenty of people who juggle it. And, um, but really when you, I firmly believe that 
you know deep down what what works and what doesn't so and then if you are in a place where you can kind of take that leap and give yourself that space to discover or make then do that yeah i love that and i love the idea that there shouldn't be any boundaries on whether you have a full-time job and you want to pursue it whether you want to quit that full-time job and pursue that curiosity or whether it's something you cultivate on the side, any kind of permutation works, but following and listening yeah. to the deep down is what is what it's all about. And also just like deep down, yes, but also like art is an education, so it's important to like go out and go to galleries and museums and performances and see what speaks to you, you know? And there are plenty of things that speak to me, but that I, I can never make, and that's mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. But there are things that you know. There's there's a method of making that really speaks that I know that I want to be doing. Be a part of the conversation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, talk to artists. Yeah. Know, yeah. You know. Absolutely. That's that's why I love uh, yeah. love this opportunity to talk to you and Rochelle. Thank you so much for for coming by. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. It was lovely. Okay, that was my conversation with Rochelle Reichert. Rochelle, thank you so much for joining the show and sharing so much of your path. We are really excited to have you here. And for listeners out there who want to see Rochelle's work, which I encourage you to check out, go to RochelleReichert.com, and that's R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E-R-E-I-C-H-E-R-T.com. And you can also go to makingways.co. You can read about Rochelle and you can check out the show notes. You can also see my illustration of Rochelle there and so much more. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. Our intro music is by The Sandworms and we've got some music by Jim Heffernan in the mix too. If you guys have not reviewed Making Ways yet on iTunes, it is such a powerful way for more people to get turned on to the show. So head on over to iTunes, write a review for Making Ways, and we would so appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.